0: All right, back on the Highland Podcast. I'm here with Rachel Coyle, one of the co-founders of How Things Work at the Ohio State House. Thanks for coming back, Rachel. How are you tonight? Thanks for having me. Great, great. Well, lots of stuff happening in Ohio politics. So just telling you uh, before we got on about how busy we are covering Ohio politics, covering the State House, covering everything that's happening there. Wanted to talk about a couple things. Um, first of all. Obviously, it's been a busy week and busy past couple months since the COVID um, crisis started with these vaccines. And Ohio's having a little bit of hiccups, um, primarily from the federal level. What do you know about the latest of what's happening as of tonight with the, um, the COVID vaccine situation?
1: Well, it'll be interesting now that uh, they've inaugurated President Biden and mm-hmm. he's already signed several executive orders connected to the COVID vaccine and distribution. It'll be very interesting to see how that impacts Ohio, whether we start getting more vaccines faster, whether that will lead to us setting up more distribution sites. I'll need to read through some of those executive orders, but it's exciting to think that things could be moving along faster shortly.
0: Yeah, and I'm thinking, you know, it seems like Biden's got an entirely different strategy for doing that, and I think that might help matters. Uh, There were some things, I know Dispatch reported yesterday, uh, there was a shipment that, you know, was damaged a little bit and, you know, spoiled and didn't do good things. Um, I'm hoping that, I guess, the more the COVID vaccine gets available, there's going to be hiccups that happen because we're human beings. We don't always do things the right way. But hopefully, as we get more vaccine, maybe we can kind of work our way through some of the issues that happen once you get a lot more vaccine.
1: Yes, there's been discussion about that in, you know, some other states and some other countries. There are different systems set up where, for example, you can sign up in some places for if there's leftover vaccine at a distribution site on a various day. Maybe if you're in the area, you can come and get a vaccine ahead of schedule if you're on that list. So there's lots of discussion going on now about how to make sure we're not wasting any of those vaccines um, so that as many people as possible can get them as quickly as possible.
0: It sounds like that's what you know, DeWine's been kind of shifting the focus of his press conferences to. You were telling me that in a week or two, it looks like the, like the General Assembly will get started. I would hope that maybe that would be the focus of General Assembly people when they're talking about COVID, right? There's
1: definitely going to be a lot of discussion about COVID in lots of different ways. You know, We've got the potential for an eviction crisis going on in yeah. right now, so they have to talk about Uh, eviction and housing. They have to talk Mm -hmm. about unemployment and how those payments are going to be distributed. And uh, there's lots of different things all connected to this pandemic. Businesses, small businesses are going to need support. um, And all of that will be on the table for the next General Assembly.
0: And what's the best thing the State House can do in terms of the vaccines? I mean, obviously, there's a plan in place, That plan is enacted by the federal uh, government to come down. Uh, Is there anything the State House can do to kind of watch and make sure everything's going okay? Like in terms of legislatively, I mean, obviously they're going right. to care because they represent the people, but I'm talking more of from a legislative angle. Um, are they going to be kind of looking at ways of kind of improving the process or are they just more hoping federal does the right thing?
1: They might be, but, you know, a lot of this wouldn't have to be legislated. A lot of this right. could be if we listen to our health director um, right. in the state, Department, in the state um, and allow for, you know, not presenting more blockades, more barriers to the process would be great. Uh, we, we saw last General Assembly, the legislators tried to pass some bills that would actually make it harder, I believe, to you know treat this virus. And so we, we can hope that they will maybe sit back a little bit and allow the health department to work.
0: Well, I'm hoping, you know, kinda of looking back to what President Biden said yesterday, obviously there's going to be disagreement. I mean we're not all going to, you know, agree on the same thing. But hopefully there's a healthy disagreement and disagreement yeah. that says, Hey, you know, we have different opinions, but hey, let's work together on this where we're not just blocking each other for the heck of it. It's more of just I'm hoping that attitude kind of comes into play at the assembly. And you know, that might be a good thing that comes down from a federal level from what President Biden's doing.
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm excited to see what happens with this new administration. If- if it impacts Ohio and speeds things along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely should be good. And it'll definitely be good too. And, you know, I don't mean to criticize Governor Dwight, obviously you're kind of at the mercy of who the president is and, you know, yeah, you can, you know, make suggestions or arguments or anything, but, you know, obviously the president says something you have to say, okay, well that's what the president says. Hopefully with a new president, new ideas it'd be interesting to see how ohio reacts to it and the new ideas and you know what you can do with it and you know it'd be interesting um you know i know DeWine's kind of went cross party a little bit with some of the actions he took early in the pandemic well he's definitely going cross party now because he's republican biden's a democrat it would be interesting to see how they work together it's it sounds like DeWine had a decent relationship with mike pence uh, i'll be interested to see how that relationship goes with um you know biden or harris i'm not sure what harris's role is going to be in it but it'll be interesting to see, see that dynamic Especially at the state level.
1: Yes. I am hopeful that he will work with the administration and have no reason to believe he won't. Yeah.
0: Definitely, definitely. Should be good. Well, let's talk about Sunday. Uh, We were worried last week because uh, there were some threats made in Ohio. Um, You know, some of the protests, which were awful, that happened, especially January 6th at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, There were groups threatening to do the same thing at uh, state houses, and they named Columbus. We had the report. Uh, Sunday, the it, The demonstration happened, and we were afraid it was going to be bad, uh, but the state kind of came in and said, hey, we're going to put National Guard troops, a lot of, um, you know, just blockades, a lot of things to protect the state house, and it was funny because it turned not to a violent thing. It was just kind of more of a, a lot of silly people yelling at each other, pretty much.
1: Yes, we were very glad to see that uh, things did not turn violent this past weekend. You know, folks were able to exercise their their right to protest. And I was especially glad that uh, the legislative staff was able to work from home the last days before the inauguration. Mm. You know, in case things had gone bad, it was comforting to know that staff weren't in those offices being put in danger.
0: I kind of wonder, I and mean, we were tracking the protests, not just in Ohio, but in other state houses around the country. It seemed like on January 6th, for whatever reason, preparation wasn't made. And that's why some of the craziness happened in the U.S. Capitol. It sounded like not just, and I'm sing it from a political price sense, I mean, it's one Republican, but there were Republican, Democrat governors all across the country who said, hey, more National Guard, let's bring them in. I think that kind of helped. Calm the issue, because maybe what emboldened some of the people was saying, hey, there's not as much security in the U.S. Capitol. But when they heard, hey, there's more security in Columbus and more security in other places. Yeah, people were carrying guns around, but there really wasn't as much of a threat. So I'm wondering if the preparation made by Dewine and other governors across the country, do you think that seemed to help? the issue because i mean i'm glad nothing happened but i was kind of surprised uh especially with some of the things happening you know from a national level that nothing happened do you think it was just more preparation helped
1: the increased presence definitely i'm sure was was intimidating i also think there was some aspect of they were seeing folks who uh siege the capitol who were open into the capitol being arrested and you know being punished for breaking into the capitol um right. as, as should happen uh, and so I think there was a little bit of, oh, there are there are consequences for this action, made it made them think through it a little bit.
0: And yeah, the other thing I'm thinking too, and I heard some of the interviews did by a dispatch and some other local reporters. Demonstrations, and correct me if you're wrong, you do some work with the Ohio State House. Mm-hmm. You would hope that any type of demonstration, if it seems legitimate, if it seems silly, you know, you at least note it and people know what's going on. They say, Hmm, I wonder what they're saying. I didn't really get a true feeling for what the people who ended up being there were trying to protest against. And, and that's what kind of confused me about the whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we originally thought it was, hey, protesting election results or protesting anything else. It seemed to be a weird conglomeration of Second Amendment rights to a bunch of other stuff. And I, I don't know how that helped. I mean... I, I know state house people don't take every protest as gospel and say, "Okay, we got to do something about it." But I'm not even sure what type of message was being sent to some of the legislators by the protests there. I mean, I, I'm glad it was peaceful. I'm glad it was calm. But I, I could—I was trying to figure out, okay, what what's the point? Almost, you know.
1: It does—it ha- does help to have a message. Um, yeah. I, I do think some of it, you know, was spurred by unfortunately fake information that was spread that there was past right. like election fraud that led to some sort of you know, overturned election. I think it started there and may have kind of splintered off into different groups, which is fine. People are welcome to protest if they want, but you're right. It does help to have an overarching message.
0: Do we have, and it was interesting. On one of our daily podcasts, we we're talking about this. It was funny. They said last week that Ohio State House didn't have a gun policy. Now I know in Ohio, you, you're allowed to have concealed carry. But I'm trying to figure out for life of me, and maybe I'm not just a big gun guy, but why do you need to carry guns around the house? And I'm not even talking just a rally. I, I'm, I'm thinking here going, you know, how, how is that helping situations? I mean, obviously, just because you have a gun doesn't mean you're going to use it. But one of the things going into that protest was, you know, somebody was asking, well, why can't you just ban guns? And they're like, well, we don't ban guns at the House. I'm like, why... Aren't you banning guns? It just would make sense, not just from the aspect of doing a protest where things can become inflamed, but it would seem in a legislative body, it would just make sense on a day-by-day level. I mean, maybe you have a gun in your office in case somebody attacks, but I, I just can't, I, I, it just didn't make sense to me. Uh, did, yeah, did you get that?
1: They did. So the, I believe it was Michigan. Uh, their <clears throat> house grounds chose to ban guns for this protest. Um and uh, Ohio, I believe the rules are different for inside the statehouse versus statehouse grounds. Oh, okay. Yes, that could be something we could look into.
0: So it sounds like maybe there's more limitations inside the statehouse. Okay, okay. That makes sense because I'm trying to figure out. Even if there was, like, an accident, like, what if the gun goes off in your pocket? I'm like, it just seems weird in a legislative body to have that stuff. So, well, I thank you. Not- that, that does clarify and that, you know, helps make a little bit of sense. So, good. I appreciate that. Has there been any other threats that you guys have heard of? I I, I think that, you know, Inauguration Day was kind of one that they said things might happen. at, But I haven't heard of anything. Has there been any a threats that you guys have heard of?
1: I haven't heard of any, but I know that they're keeping their guard up. They're talking, you know, how much money it would cost to add some extra security to the state house, which is, you know, I think conversations that are just reasonable. And, because, you know, there's going to be folks left over who are still feeling really upset about the situation. And uh, you want to keep, keep the staff and the legislators and the reporters all safe.
0: Now, Let's talk redistricting. And you warned me beforehand. Yeah, you could go off for hours. But, you know, hey, come back weekly. We can talk a little bit about each week. But what I'm trying to figure this out because I went into marketing for about 10 years where I wasn't paying as much attention as state politics or state news. I come back to the news about 10 years ago. So I'm working up at a publication in Youngstown, and we're, we're sitting there talking. I'm like, oh, who's your state rep? And they said whoever the state rep was at the time. And I said, oh, well, what does the map look like? Do they cover like we were in Trumbull County? So I'm like, do they just cover Trumbull County? And they laughed nervously and said, well, you got to see this. So they showed me the map, and the map's like jagged and all over the place. And it went down probably 100 miles South, and the border was like this, and once it got close to Youngstown, the border was like this, and I know that's something you're passionate about, something that you hope changes. Uh, It looks like this is a year something could change with that.
1: Yes, so in the last couple years, Ohioans have voted for two different bills uh, to actually create, to change our Constitution, to make sure that starting this year, we'll be redrawing our district lines, congressional and legislative lines uh in a, a fairer more less in a less partisan way um, okay. using new rules that make it harder to draw a district so that one party always wins that district like yeah. you said the lines are really weird right now in Ohio you know consistently democrats get 45 uh plus percent of the vote but mm-hmm. there are way more than 45% or that 55% of republicans in the state house for example So uh, it does not represent the actual votes that are coming from the people of Ohio. So this year, we're going to be redrawing the district lines using these new processes that Ohioans overwhelmingly voted for. So theoretically, starting next year, uh, when people go to vote, their districts will make more sense based on the population area where they live.
0: So, it sounds like, based on the vote from Ohio, it's a bipartisan nature. It's not like Republicans are going to say, oh, draw out this way, Democrats say, draw it the other way. It's more of a.
1: They're working
0: together, right?
1: There are definitely still going to be attempts to sure. oh, of course. draw the lines unfairly, uh, which right. is why the Democrats were, were very excited that they were able to pick up a Supreme Court seat on the Ohio okay. Supreme Court, because whichever maps are drawn are likely to end up in front of the Ohio Supreme Court. And it helps to have just another voice on that court who supports uh, ending gerrymandering or fair districts.
0: Because to me, it would make sense, Republican, Democrat or whatever, to have, and I know it doesn't work out mathematically to say by county, but to have by a geographical area. Because where we live, I mean, you know, we're here in Franklin County you know, Franklin County makes sense. You know, it wouldn't make sense to have all of Franklin County, but then going into rural areas. And there's some federal maps that are drawn that way. I mean, you would think it would just make sense for the people to have more geographically based in a way that would help legislators help their area more. Because, you know, our urban legislators should serve an urban area, a rural, a serve urban, rural area. I know it's Politically based, I know it helps certain parties get more votes and more seats, And get, but just for what's fair, it would make sense to have it more geographically. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm from Toledo, and they the congressional district where I'm from uh, goes along the top of Ohio in a tiny little line. They call it the snake on the lake and goes mm-hmm. all the way over to Cleveland uh, yeah. so that the people in Cleveland and the people in Toledo are represented by the same member of Congress, and right. even though they have very different issues that they care about in their communities. And that's just, it's not a great way to legislate. Um, and so this, these new laws will hopefully stop some of that from happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be definitely very nice because and I also think too, if you're a legislator, if, if your mm-hmm. map is so far apart and granted, mm-hmm. it might be nice for you because you think you got more votes that way, but it, it's hard to represent people if mm-hmm. your area is so, you know, distant. I even think from a federal level, too. I mean, the maps are crazy there, too. So when the federal people come back to see the local people, how do you do it? It doesn't make sense. It's not efficient. So, yeah, right. I'm looking forward to that. So, and good.
1: those maps were support or those uh, new laws were voted on by significant percentages of Ohioans, not just Democrats or Republicans. I believe good. the last one got like 73% of the vote. Uh, good. So, good. very, very widely supported having fair representational districts.
0: Now, obviously, everything is probably in the hole because obviously we got COVID to figure out. We got a couple other things uh, to do. But when do you imagine this coming up? I mean, it's important, but obviously there's other real important things. Have they said anything about, like, what month maybe to expect this issue to be worked on?
1: Yeah. So these new laws have set dates when the maps must be drawn by. Uh, I believe the legislative one is in September and the congressional one is in November. But we wow, okay. actually, as, as activists, are starting to push the legislators to work on this issue right now. There are a okay. lot of things they can be doing, uh, getting ready for the process to begin. Um, so one example is the maps. There needs to be a process for citizens to submit their own map ideas. Which, oh, wow. okay. I love that part of the law. Uh, it's citizen participation to send their own drafts in. But the legislature needs to create a way for citizens to actually do that, like build us a website where we could submit maps or draw our own. Something like that, we can be doing that right now as we prepare for the rest of the process.
0: Well, and I'm hoping 2021 ends up better than 2020, but <laughs> the way 2020 went, we can't just say, oh, let's wait till the end, because if it was anything like 2020, who knows what's going to happen in September of 2021. So yeah. it, it's kind of like at work. You know, you get told, hey, you got to start early in this project. Don't wait till the last minute. You're going to get in trouble. And, you know, hopefully we don't get in trouble by waiting till the last minute on that. So, well, I'm glad you guys are moving ahead on the project. So, yeah, well, like I said, now, you know your repeat, so um, people hopefully will get to know the Facebook page. But uh, again, where can we find your Facebook page where we can learn more about Ohio and how to get involved?
1: Sure. It's how things work at the Ohio State House. So it's how things work OH on both Twitter and Facebook. And we're going to be redistricting is our number one priority this year. So we're going to be doing all action all year on that issue.
0: And and not just Facebook posts, you know, again, you know, you see some Facebook groups where it's like, oh, let's write a post, to argue with each other. That's yeah. all we do. You guys have seminars. You guys have how to. And, yeah, I mean, there's a little back and forth, I'm sure, that mm-hmm. goes on when you know, people post some of the state stories that come out. But there's a lot of educational thing too, that you, find, you don't find a lot of Facebook pages anymore.
1: Thanks. Yeah, we'll be doing several trainings throughout the year of one of our trainings is going to be specific to the redistricting process. So people can learn Good. all the, the gritty details if they want.
0: Fantastic. Well, Rachel, we appreciate it. And we'll, we'll look forward to having you back next week. And obviously there's more state politics going on. I mean, it's been a busy week. I'm sure it's going to be another busy week next week as we get ready for the general assembly to start. Um, I can tell you from our coverage, there's always something going at the state house and in uh, the governor's um, office as well. So, well, thanks Rachel. I appreciate hanging out for a second afterwards, and for the rest of you guys, have a great day. We'll see you uh, uh, tomorrow on the island. All right, bye bye. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you so.